Hello everyone and good afternoon. You are listening to Faith FM and this is the afternoon show Looking Up with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host Danny Milenkov. We're glad you've chosen to tune in uh, this afternoon and uh, we've got another exciting program for you today. We're going to be taking a look at another passage from the book of Revelation. Uh, We're going to be looking at the subject of Babylon and uh, I'm guessing, Danny, there's so much stuff in this one that we probably won't be able to unpack it all in one session. Um, But there's a lot of details there. There's a lot of interesting stuff. Who is spiritual Babylon? Um, We're going to take a look at some history. We're going to take a look at uh, some Bible stuff. So uh, it's going to be fun. So we're glad that you have chosen to to join us. And uh, have you been, Danny, been up to much this week? Um, to be honest, I haven't um, done anything in particular um, have different. Been breathing? From, yes, I've been breathing. <laughs> Actually, we had the public holiday on Monday, oh, we so did. That's they right. gave me an opportunity to scoot around and do a, a couple more laps of the Awaba Mountain Bike Park that okay. I love. My son um, goes up there. Does he? Yeah. Oh, we'll need to go out for a ride together. Yep. So, yeah, and I enjoy that. I just enjoy being in nature, to be honest. I yeah. love being out in nature and exercising and, yeah, just enjoy mountain biking. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, you know, that's the, uh, I I guess from my perspective, as uh, some of our listeners may have remembered from uh, one of our earlier chats that, you know, I I was a declared atheist growing up, but I've always enjoyed nature and their great outdoors. But I think that once I became a believer in the God of the Bible and the the creator God, uh, once I realized that the beauty of nature and the complexity of nature and the marvelous way in which the natural world interacts with each other um, and supports one another. It, it, to me, it shows something of the beauty and the power mm. of the creator. And so I love being out in nature. And actually, I noticed uh, I keep an eye on um, the news. And if there's something about astronomy in the news, I'm, I'm usually interested mm. in that. I wouldn't call myself uh, an expert by any stretch of the most elastic imagination. But um, the, they, they mentioned that I think it was Friday and Saturday night. Let me think about this. I think it was Friday and Saturday night where um, they had the moon and the Mars were very close together. So as they rose up over the horizon around 8 p.m., I think it was, um, would have been uh, Saturday night, I think it was. Um, and uh, so the the moon is small. It's called a mini moon because it's a, it's small. It's further away from the Earth than normal. And Mars is closer to the Earth than normal. And the, they were very close together and it uh, made a very nice skyline. We went to a, a lookout 8 o'clock Saturday night to check that out. And it was uh, very mm. nice to see. Well, we've jabbered away. It doesn't take long to get to the first music item. We're going to have a, 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 a music piece. Um, Ryan Proudfoot, a man named Job. So uh, enjoy the music. a man with all the possessions that this world could hold the father's riches seemed to overflow but all he wanted was you a blameless man who feared God turned away from evil the greatest man his land had ever known but all he wanted was you Tempter came to try to set the Lord against his soul To strip away all that he'd ever owned But all he wanted was you 
yeah, just you Just you to question their ways it seems they've led him wrong but then he starts to complain that's when we hear the sound a voice that comes from the wind is here to question you and since you've tried to contend i hope you hear the truth that all the wind stars and skies the raging seas the waters rise you can't deny i'm the one that all this has come through I'll always be and I've always been Wherever you've gone, I've been with you then Humble your heart, fall on your knees Trust in my ways when still you can't see When I can't see I trust Falls into the ground Covers his hand to his mouth So words won't utter out My God, your wonderful ways No man can understand So now I'll give you my days Cause all I need is you All right, that was Ryan Proudfoot And a man named Job We hope you enjoyed that music Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Faith FM. You're listening to the afternoon show, Looking Up with me, Peter Watson, my good friend and co-host, Danny Malenkov. Um, if you would like to get involved today in our program, you can call us on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. If you have a comment or a question, please uh, call that in. Or you can text on 0491 064 669. That is 0491 Now, just to let you know, uh, the Looking Up program, we have been on a journey over, a power, I suppose, the last four months or more, 
Danny, we've been meeting um, and uh, hosting the show, and we've been looking at the COVID-19 pandemic. We've been looking at the impact of that. We've been looking at what are the implications of this pandemic for Bible prophecy. Are there any connections? Is it trying to tell us something? What does the Bible tell us about the times in which we live? And so we've been uh, having a look at those things and we've looked at signs of the times. We've looked at the medical implications of the pandemic. We've looked at some of the financial implications of the pandemic, the ecological implications and so forth. And uh, right now we are looking at, uh, we've started to look at the three angels' messages. But before we get into our segment on the book of Revelation today, we thought we might just take a look at a few interesting news headlines, Danny. So uh, what has uh, caught your eye in the news this week? Well, I guess in the news this week, as most Australians will be aware, We've been talking dollars and cents. The budget's been rolled out yeah. by the by the Federal Treasurer. In line with that, I watched a Four Corners a documentary maybe a week or two ago. Was uh, that was, about mortgages and lending? Yeah, mortgages, I saw that. lending. Yeah. Um, just just looking at the impact that coronavirus has had yeah. on on people's well being, businesses, right. uh, and just individuals and so on and so forth. Students, uh, just just the whole sector. And anyway, what they were basically saying is that we are very much on a precipice that if, if, if the COVID uh, virus continues and there's no vaccine in sight, um, especially once the, the stimulus comes to an end sure. at, you know, March next year, there's going to be a lot of defaults on mortgages. Uh, businesses are going to well and truly um, go under. They're already under. They're just being kept on life support. And so I don't want to go into all those details, but, but the point that came through to me loud and clear, and the reason why we're sharing that is because this program is about looking at the spiritual implications of the things that are taking place, especially as they relate to Bible prophecy. Yeah. And in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 18, and we're going to be talking about Babylon today, as you rightly pointed out. And it's interesting, chapter 18 is uh, is all about Babylon and what happens to end time Babylon. And, you know, I'm not going to get into that right now. But it's interesting that uh, at the very heart of Babylon is the economy. And yeah. it's speaking of the world economy. And in three places in Revelation chapter 18, in verse 10, and in verse 17 and in verse 19, there is a very interesting and very fascinating and ominous phrase. It says, for in one hour she is made desolate. Mm. So in other words, uh, the economies of this world, not just Australia, but the economies of this world before Jesus comes will become desolate mm. in one hour. And one hour is code language for in a very short space of time. Sure. So why I'm saying that is... Um, Jesus said, you know, we ought to be storing our treasure in heaven. Mm. That's in Matthew chapter 6. Yeah. Uh, for the things of this world will either rust or there'll be moth or they'll be Stolen. desolate yeah. in, in one short hour. So just want to encourage people, just put your faith and trust in Jesus. Don't put your faith and trust in the things of this world, whether it be our assets, our homes, the our businesses, the military. Anything and everything that is of this world cannot give you any security. Mm. Now, I think we, yes, yeah, so we want to put that in some context. Like, you've got money in the bank, I've got money in the bank. Uh, we, we operate in a system where, you know, money is useful to us, right? Um, but I think what you're saying and what I, I understand from Scripture is, is that we cannot rely upon our superannuation. We cannot rely 
on investments financially. We can not rely on government bailouts because in the end, we're going to have to rely on God. So um, that's not to say that we, we shouldn't be sensible and be good stewards of money because certainly that's another lesson of Scripture. Um, but I think what you're saying is, you know, the world is in a very precarious position financially, right? And, um, you know, I noticed in this uh, the budget, they were saying that this budget is based on their banking, which is, you know, they're banking on the Excuse fact, the pun. Excuse the pun. <laughs> they're banking on a vaccine being available in autumn, essentially. Mm. And uh, But what if that doesn't happen? And so, uh, you know, watch this space. You have to see what what uh, occurs there. I noticed um, Josh Frydenberg, the uh, federal treasurer, he says this is a heavy burden, talking about the budget that he released, which um, is going to uh, result in um, a $213 billion deficit um, in terms of the budget. So this is a very heavy burden, he says, but a necessary one to responsibly deal with the greatest challenge of our time. Mm. So it, that's fascinating to me because... Uh, not too long ago, the greatest challenge of our time was the environment, or not too long ago, the greatest challenge of our time was... Terrorism. Terrorism. That's right. And so uh, it's fascinating to me to see these different sort of waves of crisis that don't go away, but they kind of get superseded by something bigger. Mm, that's right. And certainly the, the global pandemic is one and, of those And things. I think we also have to realise, and another, another headline that I just picked up today from ABC News was that with... With uh, the financial situation deteriorating in the coming months, they are also predicting a second wave of domestic violence. Ooh. There was a there was a a huge increase in domestic violence at the beginning when we went into lockdown. Yeah, uh, but now they're predicting a second wave of domestic violence, and so it's so on, on many fronts. Sadly, uh, this world is really struggling, and so that and we need why, God. We need yeah, God in that, our lives. That, that is why. That we, is why. Whichever way, whichever way you crunch the numbers, whichever way you take a look at the headlines, there is only one way out, and that is through Christ. Mm. And it's interesting because our our show. We call it looking up for yeah. a very specific reason because in Luke 21, verse 28, Jesus said, when you see all these things come to pass, and he's talking about you know, the end of time and how everything's going the to be in a flux. The signs of the times. Yeah, the various signs of the times. He says, look up because your redemption is drawing near. Mm. And that is our, our only hope yeah. is Jesus in the here and now and ultimately the coming of Jesus. And this is why as Christians, as believers, we can face the future with optimism. You know, we talk about the news headlines and the news headlines obviously contain a lot of doom and gloom. They contain a lot of negativity um, and you know, that's not what all we want to talk about. It's simply that those things are described in the Bible as signs of the times uh, that this world will be in a dire condition. In fact, it will need rescuing, and that's what Jesus is coming for to do. I mean, we talk about salvation in a spiritual sense, in that I'm a sinner in need of a saviour, and in a very real sense, Jesus died on the cross for my sins and for yours. And that's a spiritual salvation, right? But also at the end of time, when Jesus physically comes, it's going to be a physical salvation too, mm. right? We, the, the world will need saving. Um, and so, um, you know, we can see the signs of the times. We see that uh, this great controversy between good and evil that has been going on for thousands of years is going to come to an end at some point. And the, the signs that we see around us, and maybe we should talk about this. I remember somebody asking you know, a uh, hundred years ago, the the uh, world had just finished 
World War One and was entering that period of the Spanish flu that I think somebody said killed 50 million About people 50 or something. About 50 million, yeah. That's, an that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And so some people are saying, well, you know, is, is the world really in such a state now? How do you know that, you know, we're yeah. closer to Christ's coming now? Then we were we were 100 years ago, because I'm sure if you lived 100 years ago, you'd think that was the end of the world too, right? right? So uh, how would you answer that, Danny? I I was thinking of a few things, and I was talking with my wife about these things this morning. What what makes this period of time different to then? What what uh, Why would we say, well, clearly 100 years ago wasn't the end of the world, because we're still here, right? But what makes you think that in another, you know, 100 years, we won't be looking back at this time thinking, well, you know, we thought it was then. Well, I guess you, you talked about 100 years ago. There was, uh, there was obviously a political crisis that we were just coming out of, World yep. War I. Um, there was the Spanish flu. However, when and we, we were heading for the, the Great Depression. We were heading for the Great Depression, oh. so an economic crisis. I believe there is one huge element that we didn't have okay. in, in 1918 well, or 100 years ago. Well, this because I could think of a couple, but uh, keep going. Well, well, at least one big one. Yeah. And, and, and the big one, the big one that I highlight as is the social disintegration of the of the family unit. Okay. That for me is the bedrock of society. Mm. As goes the family, so goes society. Yeah. And so when the family begins to disintegrate, yeah. We don't know who we are, what we are. There is confusion. I believe that is the end of the road because if you don't have strong families, if you don't have strong families, you won't have a strong society. And so I see that as a key component. We did not have that 100 years ago. Right, okay. Um, Climate issues, yes, there's the climate issues. Uh, There's a polarisation in society, which I don't think there was back then. Obviously, there was a war, but I'm talking about social, cultural um, polarization today that uh, was not that was not present back then. Racial, obviously, and I think I think there's just so many more so many more complicated elements in the mix today that we didn't have back then. Not to mention, um, you know, the impact of social media and the media in general, uh, the way our thinking and our perceptions have been transformed, uh, the lack of truth. I mean, what is truth? Today we talk about fake news and we kind of do it in a bit of a joking way. But today truth is irrelevant. To many, truth is, I mean, you want it to be whatever you want it to be. And that's how social media operates. Sure. sure. And, I mean, you barely have, you have to choose to make time to think. There was a a pregnant pause there, did you notice? Um, In other words, we can fill every moment of every day with noise. Um, and there's never been, it's never been more accessible, right? So we can, and, you know, it feeds, I guess, the self-interest of I can get what I want when I want it as much as I want, mm. you know, in terms of entertainment or information or music or whatever it is. And I think um, it's to our detriment in a sense that we, we don't spend enough time pausing thinking. and thinking mm. about what it is that's flooding into our minds our houses our societies and so forth and as you say then once you also remove any notion of absolute truth and what's right and what's what's right and what's wrong it becomes a real um kind of melee yeah so and i I think yes uh there's a difference between now and 100 years ago uh there was a less than two billion people in the world Hundred years ago, there's now seven and a half billion people in the world, and that makes a big difference in terms of the pressure that puts on 
the world and its resources. Obviously, the pollution issue is an issue. Obviously, the environment is an issue. I mean, we've just seen a whole pot of uh, whales washed up on the west coast Mm. of Tasmania. I think uh, like 200 of them died or something. I mean, incredible. Uh, You know, what causes them to do that? Um, There's a lot of strange things going on. You know, we've said before, uh, expect the unexpected. I think, uh, you know, uh, there are, if you look at Revelation 13, which we're going to look at again in future programs, but we've talked about the two powers that are mentioned Mm. there, the rise of those two powers, particularly in the last century. Um, you That's know, huge, yeah. the, the United States of America was a nothing power 100 years ago. I wouldn't and, say a nothing power, but it was certainly not on the scale where it is today. By the Well, yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, it did not have a major role to play politically no. 100 years ago. No, it didn't. It was not the big player. No. Um, nothing like what it is today. In fact, it was probably during and after the Second World War then that Mar- America right, yeah. really started to find its um, muscles um, and became a real powerhouse after that. That's so, true. Um, and then, of course, um, the, the Roman power, the, the Vatican, in 1920, that was still oh, it was under event. question. Yeah, it was a non-event but, back but then, yeah. we've seen the rise uh, and That's popularity right. of that too. I think another one for me is, as it was in the days of Lot, mm. uh, as recorded in Luke, um, that's an issue that we wouldn't have imagined would be on the table 100 years ago. So I think... A moral decline. Yeah, a moral decline. And like you said... A, that impacts families. Yeah, a, a, a big mystery about what is right and what is wrong Mm. and uh yeah i think all of those things come into play and i think that's why this time period is different of course this week we're also seeing uh donald trump um become covid positive and of course one of the the only reason i mentioned that is that we are in a situation where we expect the unexpected Mm. just about everything's unprecedented (laughs) these days but we need that anchor of truth which Mm. is the scripture given to us through through christ so that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to take a break. We're going to have some more music. Uh, Michael Card, Never Will I Leave You. Then we've got a news break and we'll be back. Remember that it's true 
afternoon and welcome back to Faith FM. You are here with Danny Malenkov and Peter Watts on Looking Up. It's great to have your company and I hope and pray that you are having a blessed day. It's uh, a beautiful day here in Newcastle where we are based here in Walls End. It's uh, yeah, just a beautiful day, a little bit overcast but just very, very pleasant. So like this time of the year, it's a wonderful time of the year as uh, we're heading into summer and the weather is warming up, so I don't know what you prefer, the cool or the warm. I certainly prefer the, the warmer weather. I'm down, born in Melbourne, and anyone who is down there or been down there, or I think we all know what Melbourne weather's is like, so yeah, I just I enjoy the, the warmer weather. So we're looking at Babylon this afternoon. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to Pick them up right now, and I'm going to be handing over to my good friend Peter, and he's going to lead us in this Bible study. So I just want to encourage you to get your Bibles and uh, follow us along as we go through this wonderful study on this very important but yet very misunderstood subject. So Peter, um, yeah, over to you as we as we head into Babylon. Thanks, Danny. Yes, no, it's always good to have your uh, Bible um, sitting by because we're going to have a look at some scripture. So when we talk about Babylon, I think the first thing we want to do, Danny, if you want to turn up Revelation 14. I've got it. And verse 8, because what we've done in the last few weeks, if you've been listening in, we have been looking at three angels' messages that are found in uh, Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 through 12, and we've looked at the first angels' message, and we've unpacked that in, um, through a variety of different uh, topics. And these, the, the importance of these three messages is that they go to all the world just before Jesus comes. Um, and so we can see that because in verse 14 of Revelation 14, Jesus comes and is seen coming as a reaper reaping a harvest. So um, we're having a look at these three angels' messages. The second one begins in Revelation 14.8. So would you like to read that, sure. Danny? This is what it says, and I'm reading from the New King James Version today. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Okay, so um, again it says another angel, and it's saying Babylon is fallen, is fallen. It repeats that. So that's for emphasis. Yeah, that's for emphasis. And so first of all, what we want to do is... 
What is Babylon in this context? Um, when the book of Revelation is written, which is the late 1st century AD, by the time this is mentioned, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that's literally true. It is in ruins. That, that, that city, the ancient city of Babylon, is in ruins. And, and we might want to point out that's in uh, modern-day Iraq. Correct, modern-day Iraq. If uh, No doubt many people have heard of Baghdad, which is the capital of Iraq. Well, about uh, I think it's about uh, 80 kilometres outside of Baghdad is the ruins of the ancient city of Babylon. And so when we look at Babylon in the book of Revelation, we recognise that it's talking about a spiritual power because the physical one died out years before. And so what it's using is the symbolism of the kingdom of Babylon to uh, try to direct our minds to something about this spiritual power called Babylon at the end of time. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the things about regarding Babylon in the Old Testament. So, for instance, in the book of Revelation, we've mentioned this before, I think there are some 404 verses are in the book of Revelation, 270 of them are quotes or allusions to the Old Testament. And so the Old Testament gives us the keys to understanding really what the prophecies of the book of Revelation are going on about. So in the book of Revelation, Babylon is symbolic, and we're going to unpack that probably more so next week in terms of the book of Revelation. But what we want to do this week is look at what the Old Testament can tell us about historical Babylon in order for us to gain some insights about spiritual Babylon. So what we might do, Danny, I've, uh, I do a presentation on this, and it's called A Tale of Two Cities. You know, may, many people have probably heard of the Dickens novel, A Tale of Two Cities, and they're talking about London and Paris. But in this regard, the Bible is a tale of two cities, and those two cities are Babylon on the one hand and Jerusalem on the other. And in fact, these two cities have been um, symbolic, if you like, symbolic representations of God's city and the enemy's city all throughout history. And so um, maybe we'll pick up a comparison here. So if we went to, for instance, Genesis 10.10, maybe we can have a look there. In Genesis 10.10, we have the first mention of Babylon. In fact, uh, you you can uh, see what it says there in Genesis 10.10. Do you want to read that out there? Sure. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalmach in the land of Shinar. Yeah, maybe so we're going to go back. Do you know what verse we'll do? Nine. Let's we'll go verse 8. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go verse 8 and give you some context. Because okay. this, this, before you say any more, Genesis 10, you've got, uh, I've got a heading here. It says, Nations Descended from Noah. And it's talking about some genealogies from Noah, that the famous, famous Noah of the flood. Mm-hmm. He had three sons and then they had sons and so forth. So read verse 8, 9, 10. Sure. Cush begot Nimrod. He, begot, he, he began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is like, therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And then it goes on, which we read, and beginning his kingdom was the kingdom of Babel, Erech, Akkad, Kalma, and the land of Shinar. Yeah. So um, when it says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord, the impression you get when reading the original language is that he is uh, in opposition to the Lord. You know, he's not just standing before the Lord 
you know, and their friends. But it, the idea is that he and the Nimrod and the Lord are on two different sides, okay? And it says that the beginnings of his kingdom um, was Babel. That's the first one, notice. There's a list there of different cities that he founded, if you like, um, and in the land of Shinar, again, that's the area that we would today call Iraq. But the first one there mentioned is Babel. And many people hearing that may remember the story of the Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. which in fact we... Um, it's in the next chapter. It is in the next chapter. But I also want to... Um, so what I'll do is I'm just... Let's compare that with the first reference to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go to Rev, uh, so Genesis sorry, 14. Genesis 14. And uh, verse 18 to 20. Would you like to sure. uh, pick up on that, Danny? Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Okay, so this is talking about Salem, which is the first name of Jerusalem. Jerusalem means city of peace. Yeru Shalom, mm. the city of peace. And so Salem means peace. And um, so here we have a reference of the time of Abraham, who goes to uh, Melchizedek, who's the king of Salem. Now, which is interesting there. Melchizedek literally means king of righteousness. Mm. Okay, he's the king of righteousness. He's the king of Jerusalem, and what's it's just a fascinating. He's also passage. a priest. He's a priest he's a king of the and most a high. He's the priest of the most high God. Just like Jesus, Jesus was. It's the very king, symbolic and of Jesus. Jesus. Is a priest. You know, some people think that Melchizedek is Jesus. I don't tend to no. think that. Um, some have actually suggested that maybe Melchizedek was actually Shem. One of Noah's sons, which is a very interesting theory. Just a theory, not trying to say that it is. But that's an interesting theory. Um, But clearly, he's someone that Abraham looks up to. Um, He's a man of God. He's a priest of the Most High God. And I just think it's fascinating, Danny. There are a lot of parallels between Mm. Melchizedek and Jesus. And even Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, bring out those parallels between Melchizedek and Jesus. We don't have the origins. We don't have the origins. Of of Melchizedek. Do you know what I think is interesting here? Just like Christ doesn't have origins as in he's eternal. Yeah. But it says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. What does that remind you of? You yeah, know, it reminds you of communion, so, Passover. Of, of course. So, so there, you know, there's a lot of parallels here. But anyway, it talks about this is the first time we get Salem or Jerusalem as mentioned mm. in the scriptures. And we have it there in the book of Genesis. You have the beginnings of Babel or Babylon under Nimrod, who was against the Lord. And then you have the beginnings of Salem or Jerusalem with Melchizedek, and priest of the Most High God. You've got Nimrod. And Babel together. Yep. And you've got Abram, who becomes Abraham and Jerusalem together. Yes. So it's interesting, these parallels. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, obviously Abraham's going to be the father of Mm. the faithful. That's what I'm thinking. So the next time we're going to go back uh, a little because we're going to go back to the Tower of Babel. Um, And uh, we just wanted to pick up the next reference that you see of uh, Babel or next significant point. uh, We want to say from the outset that uh, Babylon appears lots and lots of times 
in Scripture, especially when you're talking around the time of Nebuchadnezzar, when they're about to overthrow Jerusalem. Uh, many of the prophets mention Babylon, of course, and so forth. So Babylon's mentioned lots of times, and we're not going to mention every reference here today. People can look those up in their Bibles. But I'm just mentioning some of the more significant ones in terms of the history of Babylon and how that helps us to relate to spiritual Babylon. So, for instance, if we were to take uh, Nimrod and his founding of the city of Babylon and really that he was trying to set up uh, a, a, uh, a city that represented himself rather than represented God and that he was uh, opposed to God. And then you've got the Tower of Babel in Genesis eleven nineteen, and we could probably read a lot more of that story. But in, um, uh, where am I looking? Yeah, here we go. No, hang on. H help me out, Danny. <laughs> help me out. Um, uh, oh, there we go. It's, yeah, yeah, no, I've gone too far. That's why. It's, it's not... Um, it's not uh, Genesis 10, 11, 19. If we go to Genesis 11, maybe we just read through it from 1 to 9. Let's yep. read that passage out. Sure. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Let me pause you there, Danny. That's the first four verses of uh, Genesis 11. And what we find here is they, they come, they find this plain in the land of Shinar. We've already read that Nimrod set up his first city there, Babel, in the land of Shinar. So if you like, this is a few more details about the establishment mm. of the city of Babel. It doesn't mention Nimrod here. But it does talk about the fact that they wanted to build a city um, and make a name for themselves. Mm. And so this is, um, you know, God had said, spread out over the earth. He did. That's, in, that's at the end of the flood account. He right. tells them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Right. The same command that he gave to Adam and Eve. And so this is the origin of the world cities. And so these are the start of the, 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 the city, the city building. And... Uh, but it's interesting, in verse 5 it says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And uh, the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one and they have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing can, uh, that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. God understood that this building of Babylon and the building of the tower was a building in an opposition mm -hmm. to his will. And so God's going to bring an end to the building of this tower. Fascinating stuff. We're going to actually uh, take a, a break and go to a piece of music. This is actually Boney M, The Rivers of Babylon. I remember hearing this song back in 1978 when oh. I was a youngster. And uh, so enjoy this music. This is actually from a passage of scripture. The rivers of Babylon 
Okay, that was uh, a song called The Rivers of Babylon by uh, Boney M. And actually, those, uh, many of those lyrics are taken from Psalm 137, verse 1, Danny, mm. when God's people were in Babylon. We're going to come to that in a moment. Maybe we'll, um, I think I'll read that then uh, because we're going to leapfrog over something. We were looking at Genesis. We we're in chapter 11. We had come to verse 7, which says, Come, this is God speaking, come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So evidently God knew that the building of Babylon as a city and the building of the Tower of Babel uh, was in opposition to him. In fact, they were building the tower. Um, They said, come let us build, this is verse 4, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad across the face of the earth. We've got to understand the context of this. This is coming shortly after the flood, the global right. flood, where nobody survived unless they were on the ark. And so here they're thinking, if we could make a, a, a tower to reach the heavens, we can build our way to heaven. So there are a number of lessons that we can learn from the Tower of Babel experience. Number one is they were building in opposition to God's plan, which was to spread out over the earth. They were hoping to build a tower to the heavens. They were hoping to build a tower that if such a flood occurred again, they could save themselves. Mm-hmm. So through their own work, through their own ability, they were seeking to build a tower to heaven and to save themselves. And so there are a number of elements here that are useful for us when we're thinking about spiritual battle. And if I could add one other very important point, at the end of the flood story, God gives the rainbow as a sign yeah. to all generations that, he will, not flood that he will not flood the earth again. So this they don't Bab- believe. Babylon is in rebellion against the very clear word of God. Mm, and they rebellion. do not believe they God's not, promises. They do not believe God's promises. Even yeah. though they're seeing the rainbow, yeah. every time it rains, they see the rainbow in the sky, but they refuse to believe in the promise, the sign of God yeah. as the rainbow was. Well, so, that is very yeah, interesting, isn't very, it? Very clear rebellion. And it's interesting, we won't get into it today, but at the end of time, there's once again a rebellion against God's clear end time sign. Yes. Which is in in, in connection with worship. And yeah. that's in the third angel's message. Sure. Yeah, well, we'll come to that in mm. a moment. I'm going to pick this up in uh, Genesis 11, 8 through 9. 
We'll just read this. I, you know, I'd written in my notes 11, uh, Genesis 11:19. That's why I got stuck earlier. Mm. And it's actually 11:9. Uh, I was going to get to, but um, eight and nine, verse uh, eight and nine it says, "So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth." I mm. want to pick up on that. Uh, we still use that word. If somebody is um, talking incoherently, we say they're babbling. Mm-hmm. That's right? right. In fact, uh, Paul mentions this a couple of times in his writings. He says, avoid vain babblings. That's right. Um, and so it's become synonymous with confusion. Uh, that's not making really, sense. Not making sense. It's, it's, and so when we look at Babylon in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, we are looking at confusion but in that sense it's spiritual babylon this is literal physical city of babylon we're talking about in the old testament but then in the new testament book of revelation we're talking about spiritual babylon so if you had uh confusion there at babel at the tower of babel in the old testament what you have in the book of revelation is spiritual confusion and so uh and just it's a good point to remember. If I could just make note, this is where the languages come from. Right. So all the world's languages come from this very situation where God confused their language. Mm. They only had one language, the Bible says, upon the entire earth. Mm. And from this point, God ensured that that would spread by way of, of the languages. Yeah. Um, you ob- obviously, you would stick... Uh, you would develop a community with those whom you understood. That's right. And so uh, there'll be other peoples you don't understand, so it's easier to make a community with those who do understand. And, uh, yeah, the peoples would have spread out from there and uh, populated the earth. So uh, very fascinating facts. Well, there's uh, many, as I said before, many references to Babylon throughout the Bible, but we're picking up on certain points um, that... Teach us something about Babylon that's going to help us when we come to deciphering spiritual Babylon in the book of Revelation. So the next one I wanted to look at, Danny, was um, in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 30. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 30. And maybe we can, uh, do you want to set the table here, Danny, about what is happening in Daniel chapter 4? So we've looked at some of the prophecies in Daniel chapter, well, in other chapters of Daniel. Uh, This story is an interesting one, isn't it? It is. Well, this is on the back of uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who has overthrown Jerusalem in Daniel chapter 2. He receives this dream uh, from God that outlines the history of the world from his day all the way to the second coming of Jesus. In Daniel chapter 3, he says, My head, uh, well, the head will not only be the kingdom of Babylon instead, which was the head of gold in Daniel chapter 2. He says, My kingdom will be never ending it'll be everlasting so he Mm. creates an image 30 meters high all of gold and daniel chapter 4 is hot on the heels of this image that being erected in nebuchadnezzar gloating over the city of babylon that he himself has built and so that's the context of daniel chapter 4 verse 30 
And I will read that if you like, Peter. Yeah, go to. It says, um, the king spoke saying, so this is King Nebuchadnezzar speaking as he looks over Babylon. He Mm. says, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? I can't help but hearing uh, Genesis chapter 11 (laughs) echoing and re-echoing through those words of King King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, again, wanting to make a city. Mm. Uh, for themselves, uh, to glorify self, really. I mean, he's saying, you know, look at my achievements. Um, and I think that this is, uh, this is uh, obviously, um, it's a battle between um, the pride, if you like, of Babylon and the humility uh, that, that of God, really. Mm. If you look at the two cities, they're meant to, to represent uh, different aspects. And so you've got the pride of uh, the king of Babylon, no less, the king of a confusion, but the king of Babylon, and he's saying, "Look what I've done." Mm. Essentially, look what I've built, and it's for what does he say? For a, a, that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power, and for the honor of my majesty. How many times that word "my" appears Indeed. there in "I"? Yeah, and that and that that see flies in the face of if you recall, if our listeners recall to what we've talked about in previous episodes, where we were looking at the first angel's message where the first angel's message is fear God and give glory to, to him. him. And worship him. And worship him. Who made heaven and earth. And here it very much seems like the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, is, is glorifying self. Okay. And he's, uh, he's basically, you know, if you think of chapter 3, he was basically wanting everybody to worship him because mm. he was told, you are this head of gold. And he's saying, when I play the music, I've made this image of gold. You play the music, you bow down to the image of gold. That represents me. Mm. Um, so it's it's really about self worship. It's about self exaltation. It's self self glorification, and uh, you cannot glorify God and glorify self at the same time. It's interesting. I don't know if you want to go there right now, Peter, but we have a very clear description of the ultimate king of Babylon in okay. Scripture. Yeah, why don't we do that? That's yeah. a good idea. I like that. Danny. It ties in with where we are now. If we go back to Isaiah chapter. Uh, 14. Yep. Isaiah chapter 14 there we have a description of who the the king the ultimate king of Babylon is and this is really interesting and I want to pick it up in uh, verse 4 so this is Isaiah yep. chapter 14 and verse 4. Yep. Um, God says uh, to Isaiah to write these words that you will take up this proverb against the king of Babylon. Okay, so now it goes on and gives a bit of a description, and then we drop down to verse 12, and we discover who this king of Babylon is. Okay, so let's give us some context here, because we have seen in the book of Revelation, and we've, I think, clearly seen in Scripture, that God works through people, and the devil works through people. Mm. And so what you have here is a comparison in Isaiah of the king of Babylon with the real power behind the king of Babylon, which is, as you're going to read in verse 12. So there is a power behind this king of Babylon. Just like, and I won't say it right, well, yes. Read the first line and then it oh well, it. oh, well, I was just going to go way back to the beginning of Genesis. But anyway, I'll, first, I'll first share this. Um, Revelate, sorry, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Here yep. we go. Yep. Here is this um, king of Babylon. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, 
son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. Okay. Now, this is speaking of Lucifer, and Lucifer is speaking of the Satan before he was Satan. That's right. When he was God's leading because angel. Because Lucifer is actually a good name. It is. It means day star. It means morning star. It means light bearer. The light bearer, yep. That's right. So let's, let's find out what took place in his heart. For you have said this in your heart. Here we go. Check this out. Verse 13. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. Mm. This is reminiscent of what we read. King Nebuchadnezzar say reminiscent of what we read. The tower of Babel builders Mm -hmm. say I, 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 I. And it's all about self-exaltation. Correct. And so, yeah, going back to your point, uh, God using uh, the king of Babylon as a symbol for Lucifer, Lucifer has never come out in the open. That's not how deception works. Yeah. You know, conmen, they don't come out in the sure. open and they don't tell you what their plans are. They're, yeah. they're conmen because they, they're, they're deceived. They deceive people. They're deceived. And it's interesting, at the very beginning of time, how were our first, well, how was our first mother deceived? Yes. By the serpent. That's right. So he Satan, was, through the aid of the serpent, that was his front he man. He was working through an agent. He was working through an agent, deceived Eve. And in the same way, at the end of time and all the way through history, Satan has used systems and individuals and powers in order to do his bidding on his behalf, in order to deceive people into receiving the worship that belongs to God alone. Because Mm. that's what the bottom line is here. So it's very, very clear who the king, who the ultimate ancient king of Babylon is. It's that ancient serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Yeah. The father of lies, as Jesus put it. Yeah. And so... Now, of course, you know, Babylon is not the only nation or kingdom that the devil has worked through. And we'll see that a little later as well. Um, But yes, this is very clear here. It's, uh, you know, take up this, um, uh, what does it say? Take up this proverb against the king of of Babylon. And then he's comparing him to the actions of Lucifer. And so you can clearly see that he's worked through uh, that system. So uh, again, we've got some things here we've We've looked at the origin of ba- uh, Babylon, where it came from. We've looked at the, the wanting to build a city, making a name for ourselves in opposition to God, not believing in the promises of God. Um, and so, and now, of course, that this one, uh, we talked about Daniel 4.30 with Nebuchadnezzar saying, is not this great Babylon which I have built? You know, uh, Nebuchadnezzar became known as the great uh, the great builder king, the Neo-Babylonian Indeed. Empire. So Babylon, like uh, a number of cities in antiquity, had gone through different phases. There was the early Babylon, uh, Babylon uh, city, and then it, it sort of uh, went through a period of decline. But you come to Nebuchadnezzar's time, and you have what's called the Neo-Babylonian Empire. There's a, a resurgence of the power of Babylon. And at that time, under Nebuchadnezzar, it was the most powerful empire in that part of the world at that time. And, uh, of course, uh, it was never going to last because in chapter 4 we have the story of uh, the king of Babylon actually going mad um, and being humbled by God. Um, and so, uh, in a sense, you could see that, that the king of Babylon was fallen, was fallen in, in that chapter. And what's fascinating is, um, you know, we, we uh, can't give Nebuchadnezzar too, too bad a time because he was a pagan king whom God persevered with, revealed things to, worked with for many years, 
And then finally, in uh, the end of chapter 4 and even at the beginning, Nebuchadnezzar is acknowledging that the God of heaven really is God. That's right. And that's a wonderful thing. And it's quite a, a fascinating thing to think about that you and I, Danny, when we uh, get to heaven, we'll be able to talk to, to Nebuchadnezzar. I believe that he'll be in the kingdom based on uh, the fact that he's now acknowledging here at the end of chapter 4. This is the last words we hear of Nebuchadnezzar, that he's acknowledging the God of heaven. So fascinating stuff. All right. Well, we're going to be coming to another break shortly. We're going to continue our journey after the break, uh, talking about Babylon. Babylon is fallen. The second angel's message. What does it all mean? We're looking at some of the illustrations from history, the historical city of Babylon there in ruins today in the heart of Iraq. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about it when we come back. Um, you can uh, contact us. Uh, we'll give you that number. It's 1-800-324-843. If you'd like to leave a comment or question, it's 1-800-324-843. But we're going to take some more music now. And this is for King and Country. Oh God, forgive us. So uh, enjoy this piece of music and we'll come back in a moment. We're praying the prayer with no reply Words float off into the night Couldn't cut our time with the sharpest knife Oh, God, forgive us Silence isn't comfortable We'll drive through peace and instant hope Our shallow faith, it has left us broke Oh, oh, God, forgive us Oh, oh, God, forgive us to our uncertainty Help us with our unbelief Oh, oh, God, forgive us Young and old, black and white Rich and poor, there's no divide You're the mighty, you're the powerless Singing, oh, oh, God, forgive us
uncertainty Help us with our unbelief Oh, oh, God, forgive us Lose a rubber belt All right Welcome back, folks. It's uh, good to have you back with us. We are here on Faith FM. You're listening to Looking Up with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. We've been talking about a passage in the book of Revelation, which says Babylon is fallen, is fallen. It's in Revelation chapter 14, verse 8. It's the second angel's message of three angels' messages that go to all the world just before Jesus returns. And so we want to know what is it meant by Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And we're looking back in history of the Old Testament, of the city of Babylon, how it features there, and what significance the messages about Babylon in the Old Testament have in order for us to decipher and understand what is meant by spiritual Babylon in the book of Revelation. So uh, we're going to be obviously continuing this conversation into next week as well, Danny so that we can unpack a little bit more about what the book of Revelation says. However, there's a few more passages we'd like to look at uh, today. And um, one of those uh, is we've talked about the fact that God's people were taken captive from Jerusalem into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, three times he came. And uh, he came at the time of Daniel. We read about that in Daniel chapter 1. 605 BC. 605 BC. Then we, he came again at the time of Ezekiel. It's 597. Okay. And then he came again at the time of Jeremiah when yeah. the city of Jerusalem was actually destroyed. Destroyed, yeah, completely. And left in ruins. And so you have sort of three raids on Jerusalem, taking people and treasures back from Jerusalem to Babylon. And uh, they're there captive in Babylon. And I just want to... Um, Take people, uh, take our listeners, Danny, to uh, Psalm 137. We um, actually heard this song earlier, um, and the lyrics of that song, the, the rivers by the rivers of Babylon, they're just taken from Psalm 137. And I just wanted to read this so that people can get an understanding of uh, what the people were thinking there. And uh, this is talking about that time when God's people were captives in Babylon, and this uh, is relevant because. When you come to the book of Revelation, God's people once again are captives in spiritual Babylon. Mm. And so um, let's read that. It says, well, do you want to read it, Danny, 137.1? I might read up to verse 3. because Please do that. In fact, you can read all the way up to verse 4. Do verse 4. Yeah, I mean, the whole chapter is is on that theme. But yeah, we'll read up to verse 4. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Now Zion is a, a name for Jerusalem. It's the it's the hill. The the hill, yes, where the temple Near was Jerusalem. in particular, yep. yes. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it, for there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song, and those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Okay, so here they this is a kind of lament that they're, they're there in Babylon, how can we sing when we're so far away from home, when we're so mm. far away from Jerusalem? And so uh, clearly God's people in this parable, uh, sorry, in this psalm rather, uh, they're, they're longing for Jerusalem and they're wanting to go back home to Jerusalem. Um, another story that comes out of Babylon um, I want to read, and it's in the book of Daniel, and it's in Daniel chapter 6, an interesting story there 
where maybe we'll unpack the story a little bit because there's one verse in verse 10 that I'd like you to read. But uh, Daniel is a remarkable man because he is there as uh, effectively the prime minister of Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. He's been promoted. He has. And then we come to the end of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Then there are other kings who reign. And we come to the final king who is reigning in Babylon, which is Belshazzar. We read about that in Daniel chapter 5. And he clearly doesn't have regard for Daniel like his grandfather did. Um, and he, But he sees the writing on the wall. There's a story there. He's having his drunken party. And he sees this supernatural writing on the wall. And he says, what should we do? Let's call in Daniel. Maybe he can interpret it. Daniel is called in and he says he proclaims the doom of Babylon. In fact, that's the night Babylon falls, which is interesting because we're comparing this to the book of Revelation. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. This is literally the time when Babylon falls Mm -hmm. at the end of Daniel chapter 5. So many people listening may want to read that chapter for themselves at some point. The writing on the wall. The writing on the wall. comes from that chapter. But see, what happens with Daniel is he remains living there in Babylon when the Medes and the Persians overthrow that city that night... And his reputation is so is such that the king of the Medes and the Persians decides to appoint Daniel as his prime minister. Not only does he spare him, not only he, yeah, but can he you imagine him as prime minister? It's, can it's you imagine him being the prime minister in one administration, and that's overthrown by another kingdom completely, and they value Daniel so much that they appoint him as an administrator in the new system of government for the Medes and the Persians, but it's still in the city of Babylon, which is quite remarkable. And, of course, then, of course, there are uh, officials, I guess, of the Medes and the Persians who are quite jealous of the position that Daniel has been given because, essentially, he's um, the major ruler apart from the king in terms of Babylon. And so there are people there saying, how is it that this Jewish captive called Daniel, gets to be such a high administrative figure in this city when we just overthrown the city and we you know we're we're Persians, we're Medes, why you know, why don't we get the big the biggest yeah. job? And so they're scheming against him. And they uh, persuade the king to write a law saying you can't pray to anybody but the king for thirty days for a month. Okay? And the king's quite, you know, flattered by this, uh, you know, idea, and he signs the law. And, uh, of course, Daniel is accustomed to praying to only one, and that's the God of heaven. And so what we read here in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, Danny, would you like to read that? They, they have uh, got this law signed, and they're looking out for Daniel. Is he going to break the law? What's he going to do? Now, this is what it says in Daniel 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. All right. Now, this is a fascinating one because here's Daniel living in Babylon. There is the law of the land which prohibits... Him worshipping God the way he's always worshipped God. Mm. And what's interesting with Daniel is he goes to his upper room. This was his custom. He throws open his windows towards Jerusalem 
and he kneels down. He's not. He's not hiding. No, he's not. He's not hiding, and he kneels down not once, not twice, but three times in a day. And it says, as his custom was since early days, he had been accustomed to talking with his God, praying to his God. He wasn't going to stop doing that, even if the law said you're not allowed to. Mm. So here we have a religious law imposed by the state that Daniel is going to, he's still going to be loyal to God. And this is important when we're talking about Babylon in the book of Revelation. So we're thinking about here's Daniel living in Babylon. There's a religious law imposed by the state forbidding his practice of true religion. And yet he is going to do that anyway. And what's actually interesting, if you read the whole chapter, is there is a death decree for those who mm. will not you know, adhere to this religious law. And Daniel gets taken and put in the lion's den. Maybe many people have heard of the story of Daniel as in the lion's den. He's put in the lion's den. A stone is placed over the mouth of the lion's den. It's sealed. It's sealed. The king has a troubled night. And Daniel is in there and he's wondering, you know, and then early in the morning, it says, he mm. comes out of there. It's very much like Jesus going into the tomb and coming out again. It is. Uh, there's some very yeah. great parables. But the point is, God vindicates him. Mm. Daniel is loyal. A death decree is imposed, but God saves and spares his life. Mm. This is going to be important when we come to the book of Revelation. We've already talked about the death decree. We've already talked about imposed state driven religious laws in previous chapters that are going to come at the end of time and how God steps in to deliver his people. Absolutely. And I think it's really fascinating that uh, what happens here in Daniel chapter 3 and Daniel chapter 6 is what's going to happen at the end of time. In Daniel chapter 3, we have false worship enforced. uh, enforced. And in Daniel 6, we have true worship forbidden. Yes. Okay. Um, so in Revelation chapter 13, we'll discover, and as we go there, um, we discover that true worship is um, forbidden mm-hmm. and false worship is enforced once again. And there's yeah. a death decree yeah. once again there. Yeah. And um, so you have these parallels. So what happens in ancient Babylon will be what happens at end-time Babylon and how Satan sought to destroy God's people in ancient times will be, will be how, similar to how he, does he it tries to do it at the end of time. But as you pointed rightly out, God will deliver his people mm. and we have a deliverance there in Revelation just as we do here in Daniel. Absolutely. I love what it says at the end of uh, Daniel chapter, uh, the, in the book of Daniel, the last chapter, chapter 12, where it says, and at that there's going to be a time of trouble such as never was. Yeah, Daniel 12 verse but 1. at that time your people will be delivered. Everyone God, who's found written in the book. God has a deliverer and uh, God is the deliverer. And so uh, this is fascinating stuff. So there are a few things that we are drawing on here learning from ancient Babylon that are teaching us things that will be helpful for us as we try to unpack spiritual Babylon in the book of Revelation. We're going to look more at that uh, passage in Revelation particularly next week. But I just thought also there's some fascinating thoughts here, Danny. If you think about it, we mentioned uh, at the top of the show that this was a tale of two cities, the tale of uh, two cities, Babylon and Jerusalem. Jerusalem being God's city, Babylon being the city of those who oppose God, okay? And so you have, uh, if you think about the character of Abraham, or Abram as he was in the beginning of the book of Genesis, 
God calls Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. That's the area where Babylon That's is. Right. That's the Babylonian Empire, uh, you know, that became later. So he comes out of Babylon into the Promised Land. Okay. Fascinatingly enough, when his son Isaac comes of age and Abram is looking for a wife for his son Isaac, he sends his servant back into Mesopotamia, back into Babylon, essentially, mm. to get Rebekah and to bring Rebekah out of Babylon into the Promised Land. Then Isaac's uh, son, Jacob, he uh, f- flees from his brother Esau and he goes to the land of Mesopotamia. He goes to his essentially the, the his land of his place. uncle's place, Laban. Essentially, the land of Babylon to find a wife, Rachel, and brings her out of Babylon back into. Well, they got two for the price of one, didn't they? <laughs> he did. You got Rachel and <laughs> Leah back into the Promised <laughs> Land, right? But he brings his wife out of the Babylon into the Promised Land. Then we see that God's people who are in the Promised Land, they uh, take their eye off God. They began to look at the idol worship all around them and they began to say, we, we would like to be like those other nations. And they began to worship idols and God sent them prophet after prophet after prophet trying to direct them back to the worship of the true God. But they ignored those and they began to practice religion the same as all the pagans all around them. Mm. And uh, they ended up being taken captive and, and taken to Babylon, as we've said, by Nebuchadnezzar. And there were actually three uh, times we've mentioned that taken to Babylon, the time of Daniel, then the time of Ezekiel, then the time of Jeremiah. Fascinatingly enough, in the Bible, it also describes then God causing them to come back from Babylon and back to the promised land. And there were three Returns. There were. Yeah. Under Zerubbabel, under Ezra, under Nehemiah. And what do they do? They come back and they build a new Jerusalem. Mm. And in a way, you have this picture spiritually in the book of Revelation. You have God's people taken captive by Babylon. And then Babylon falls and God's people are delivered and they're taken to a new Jerusalem, which is ultimately what's going to happen when Jesus returns in glory and takes his people home. And it's interesting, before the deliverance in Revelation 14, verse 14, there are three angels' messages yes. that are calling the world out to accept the everlasting gospel and <clears throat> out of Babylon. Isn't that interesting? It is fascinating. Three but, calls. And there are also three frogs. Which, yes. are, which are the counterfeit yeah. message to the three angels' that messages. Very so we have the truth and the counter and, uh, and the air. And the, parallel. And the, and, uh, yeah, parallel, going hand by hand. When we come back, we're going to take another break for music. And uh, when we come back, I would like for us to read a passage in Revelation 18. So let's turn there, Danny, because, uh, and if you're listening, maybe you want to turn to Revelation 18. We're going to read something from there. But in the meantime, we've got the Mischief, mischief Sisters' Power in the Blood.
Welcome back. You are uh, listening to Faith FM and our afternoon show Looking Up with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milinkov. And uh, we have been talking about the fall of Babylon. We've been talking about the second angel's message of Revelation chapter uh, 14, verse 8. In fact, we, we've, we've talked very briefly about that, but we've, what we've been doing is referencing what happened in history in terms of the city of Babylon, what its role was in regards to God's people, how it took God's people captive and kept them captive, and how God sought to deliver them. Um, and so we're seeing how does that uh, play out in regards to what the Bible says about Babylon at the end of time. So, Danny, I think um, in terms of the end of time, let's look at Revelation chapter 18. We're going to look at this a little bit more detail next week, but if we can read uh, Revelation 18 verses 1 to 4, that might be helpful. Sure. It says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. All right. Thank you, Danny. So this passage here is talking about the fall of spiritual Babylon at the end of time. It's making some comparisons with uh, the uh, literal Babylon of the past. And uh, it's talking about... um, it says, cried mightily with a loud voice. You notice in the three angels' messages, the mm. first angels' messages with a loud voice. It doesn't say a loud voice for the second one, but it does say a loud voice for the third one. But the second one is repeated here mm. in Revelation 18, verses 1 to 4. And it says, he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And those two words, loud voices, we've pointed out in the past, that come from the two Greek words, mega and phone. So this is with a megaphone yeah. voice. So this is this, this is throughout the whole world. Yeah. And so this is, yes. And so, because we've already said, you know, the first angel flying in the midst of heaven, uh, having the everlasting gospel to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. This is these are worldwide messages that God wants people to hear, and so it's talking about, if you like, the three angels' messages. I guess are God's final call. You know, and we're uh, familiar with that terminology when we we think about airports. Indeed. We have, well, once upon a time when we used to travel on planes. <laughs> <laughs> a few months ago now. In the good old days. Um, in the good old days. Yeah, you know, on the screens, uh, through the announcement, there would be final call. Yes. Final call, you boarding. This there. is, this is, yeah, this gate is closing. your final call. Exactly, gate closing. And I don't know about you, but I've almost missed a plane once <laughs> or twice. Um, I've got a picture here. I've got the, I, I'm, I'm on the almost list. I don't think I've ever missed a plane, but I've almost missed a few. Yeah, that's right. So, so we have, so, so we're well familiar with that final call at the airport. And God has a final call before, before his people take off. To the New Jerusalem. That's right. It's you a know, flight you don't want to miss. That's exactly right. So and there really, comes a point when the gate is closed. That's exactly right. There comes a point and when it's the interesting, gate is closed. It's interesting here. We read it at the end of verse 4. It says, lest you receive of her plagues. And 
there will be the plagues that will fall on Babylon and the entire chapter, the chapter 18. The seven last plagues describe that. And when you compare that to the three angels' messages, you have the fall of Babylon in the second angel's message. In the third angel's message, you have the mark of the beast crisis at the yes. end of time. And as you continue to read in verse six, in chapter 16, it says, those who had the mark of the beast receive the seven last plagues. Right, yes. So, if you remain in Babylon, you receive the mark of the beast, which is which is for those that will also receive the seven last plagues. Mm. So the second angel's message really is the last call. The third angel's message, it's all over. Mm. You have stayed too long in Babylon. The door is closed, just mm. like in the days of Noah. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man appears. There was a door. There was one door in Noah's day, and that was closed. So too, at the end of time, uh, there is one message, and that's the first angel's message. And those who do not respond to the first angel's message, those that refuse the first angel's message, they accept the message of Babylon and sadly they are left outside the ark mm. and they are ultimately destroyed. There isn't a second chance. Yeah. So this is it. This is important. Yeah, I, that, that's an important point you make because um, there are some who believe in um, a secret rapture. There are some who believe in the fact that some saints will get raptured away in a secret rapture and then you know the sort of seven years of tribulation and then you know maybe you get to change your mind if you're one of the lost and and then eventually jesus comes um but you see our second chance is now uh we're all sinners in need of a savior our second chance is embracing accepting receiving jesus and his salvation now so that when he returns in glory we are ready to meet him, not because we are good enough, but because he's clothed us with his righteousness and he's good enough. And so I think that's a, an important message. I just wanted to look at some of the language around the fall of Babylon, literally around the time of Jeremiah, uh, some of the description given there in uh, Jeremiah 51 and also a couple of passages in Isaiah, because uh, again, these just give us elements in regards to the fall of literal Babylon and what the implications are for that in terms of the fall of spiritual Babylon. So if we look at uh, Jeremiah 51 and verse 6 to 10, it says, um, so it, it talks here, the utter destruction of Babylon, the, the Bible talks about this. Uh, Jeremiah 51, 6 on through 10, it says, Flee from the midst of Babylon and everyone save his life. Do not be cut off from in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her. Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunk. The nations drank her wine, therefore the nations are deranged. They're confused, Danny. Mm -hmm. Babylon has suddenly fallen and been destroyed. Wail for her. Take balm for her pain because she may be healed. Uh, we would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her and let us go, everyone, to his own country, for her judgment reaches to heaven and is lifted up to the skies. The Lord has revealed our righteousness. Come and let us declare, declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. So, so, the, so the language of Revelation 18 is being taken directly out yeah. of... The Old Testament, and there's no denying that. Read. And we've said that before that the, the passages that you read in the book of Revelation they are taken of the, out of the Old Testament. So, here's the question though when Jeremiah is writing, we're talking about 500 plus years BC, okay? And we know that Babylon fell about 539 BC, 
Okay, right. fell to the Medes and the Persians. And so, um, and since then, of course, it declined in power until now it's a ruin. When you come to the book of Revelation, and it's talking about Revelation 18, come out of her, my people, it's clearly talking about an end time scenario because in Revelation 18 and 19, you see the demise of Babylon and then the coming of Jesus. Okay, so when it's using that language, it's not saying, hey, let's just remember what happened in the fall of literal Babylon. No, it's using that language to try and tell us something about spiritual Babylon. And, of course, uh, Babylon is given a very specific description in Revelation 17, which we will unpack next week. That's where we're going to go next week and and try and identify who that power is um, because what it's doing is it's using the, the, the language of the destruction of Babylon in the past and applying that to spiritual Babylon in the future and we want to be able to identify that. And if I could say, based on that, so in the Old Testament we have the ancient city of Babylon that represents confusion, that represents oppression of God's people, persecution, that represents um, rebellion against God and His law in particular. And it's focused on a city, on a literal city. Mm-hmm. However, in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, we have Babylon that is now worldwide. Yeah. And we know that because in Revelation 14, uh, verse 8, and what we read in Revelation 18, all the nations of the world yeah. have been impacted and infected by the wine of Babylon. And the same goes with Jerusalem. Jerusalem of old was a single city. But at the end of time, Jerusalem in the book of Revelation represents all the people of God and the choice that they make to be part of God's kingdom. So the two cities, Babylon and Jerusalem, do not represent cities in the book of Revelation at the end of time. They represent two kingdoms. They represent uh, two allegiances and and they represent two different worship um, ideas and two different um, practices of worship. Exactly. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Danny. And I think that um, obviously we want to be on the side of Jerusalem. When we think about Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 praying towards Mm. Jerusalem, he threw open his windows, prayed towards Jerusalem. They were told to do that around the time of Solomon when they built the temple. They said, you know, if you happen to be in a foreign land and you can't, you know, come to Jerusalem to worship, Turn towards Jerusalem and pray. It's actually similar to the idea that we have today with Muslims where they pray towards Mecca. That's right. You and I have been to some Muslim countries, Danny, and in the hotel rooms they have an arrow stuck on the ceiling or the wall telling you which direction That's Mecca exactly is right. exactly in order that right. you can pray right right there. But in actual fact, Christians do pray towards Jerusalem today. We do. Because we pray towards heaven. The heavenly Jerusalem. And the heavenly Jerusalem. Not the one in Israel. But the heavenly Jerusalem. And that's the one that comes down from heaven down to the earth in Revelation chapter 21. That's right. So we're talking about... After Babylon has been destroyed. After Babylon has fallen. It is. And so, you know, you've got these two comparisons. Uh, I just want to pick up another couple of verses here. Isaiah 21 verse 9 talks about the same language that we read about in Revelation um, where it says, um, And look... Here comes a chariot of men with a pair of horsemen. Then he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the carved images of her gods he has broken to the ground. And so, you know, even the heading in that passage in my Bible of uh, Isaiah 21, it says, fallen, fallen is Babylon. So again, Revelation simply picking up on language of the Old Testament, the destruction and the fall of literal Babylon 
to emphasize how spiritual Babylon also will fall, and we're going to try and uh, make plain and the identification of that for next week. And it's interesting, um, yeah, uh, Isaiah 13, verse 19, it says, And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' pride will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. So it takes us back to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And once again, it's this whole idea of self-exaltation. And Revelation 18 picks up on that, that this city, uh, this system that the world has put their faith and trust in comes to nothing in one hour. And we talked about that at the beginning of the program. Yeah. So the, the, the only assurance we can have is if our hearts and our minds are there in the city of God, the New Jerusalem. Yeah. There's one uh, verse I'm going to th- throw in here, Danny, which uh, it's 1 Corinthians 14.33. And the reason this is interesting is this is a passage where Paul is confronting the misuse of the gift of tongues. And we're not going to get into that subject fully today, but what's fascinating, of course, is God confused the languages at the Tower of Babel, and there was a lot of confusion. And Paul is addressing this that, you know, that you shouldn't be confusion in your worship services. Uh, there should be, you know, understanding. And in chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 33, notice what it says here. For God is not the author of confusion, that we represent mm-hmm, Babylon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but of peace, that's Jerusalem. City of confusion, city of Babylon, mm-hmm, city mm-hmm. of peace. I like Jerusalem. that. I haven't thought of that yeah, one. I've never thought of that before. Top of the class. So, so for, for I'm God is not the down. author of confusion, That's... but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And so again, this is a choice between Babylon mm. or Jerusalem, confusion or peace. All right, we're going to go to a final piece of music here. Uh, and we'll come back and wrap up in a moment. But uh, it's we've been... got the giveaway. We've got the giveaway. Yeah, we'll come to that in a minute. Gavin Chatelier, a quiet place.
Sheltered by tree and flower There in my quiet house With him my cares are Left behind Whether a garden small Or on a mountain tall New strength and courage there I find Then from this quiet place I go prepared to face A new day With love for all mankind A new day With love for all Welcome back. That was Gavin Chatelier and A Quiet Place, and we hope that you enjoyed that music. Danny, tell us about our free giveaway today. Okay, the free giveaway today. You don't want to be last in. The Bride, the Beast, and Babylon, a DVD. It's fantastic. You want to jump in. Be the first one to call 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. The first person to call will receive The Bride, The Beast and Babylon, this great DVD. Now, just a quick plug. This Saturday, I start a new sermon series on America in Bible prophecy. If you're interested, uh, this Saturday morning, 11 a.m., go to Hillview Streaming. That's Hillview Streaming, and you can tune in at 11 a.m. All right, terrific. So uh, I'm sure people will be looking forward to checking in with that. Thank you so much for listening, folks, today. We hope that you enjoy, uh, enjoyed our program. If you'd like to catch up on this program or others in the series that we have shared, you can go to the website faithfm.com.au, go to the podcast tab and uh, look for Looking Up, our afternoon show with me, Peter Watts, and Danny Milenkov. That's about all we have time for this afternoon. Uh, next week, we will be looking at A Tale of Two Women. Today was A Tale of Two Cities. Next week, we're going to look at A Tale of Two Women. We're going to look at Spiritual Babylon. We're going to be looking at what the Bible says in the book of Revelation about the fall of Babylon, and we're going to be identifying who Babylon is so that we hope that you will be able to join us for that. Thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. We want to uh, just remind you of the words of Scripture that now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. See you next time. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up When there's pain deep in your heart Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up Should the tears begin to start With a prayer all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea I know His love is there for me We make our plans And still it's God who directs our ways 
Love is always there for me. 